Friends, if you are ever asked for the most uplifting story in the Bible, what is your answer? The most uplifting story in the Bible. Now, there are many answers uh, that you might give to this. After all, there are many scriptures that provide support in dark times, from the Lord is my shepherd to unto us a son is given, and even God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. And if we look at the literal meaning of uplift, to be lifted up, there are fewer candidates. Enoch walking with God, maybe. Elijah boarding the celestial chariot? Okay. The resurrections of Elisha, Lazarus, and Jesus? Maybe in sheer numbers, it's the valley of the dry bones, where there are lots of bones lifted up. But there is only one story about someone being lifted up that's in the Bible twice, and it's written by the same author both times. And that is the story of Jesus' ascension into heaven. From the last chapter of Luke's Gospel and the first chapter of Acts of the Apostles. Ascension, uplifting story. I, I know it's a bad pun, but go with me on this. While it may be a bad pun, it's also something of a story of a graduation day for the disciples and an important story for us to dive into and be buoyed up by. Now, it's important to note that only Luke records this story at all. Matthew and John assume Jesus' ascension, but never tell the story. And Mark ends before any resurrection appearances, much less an ascension of Jesus. And Paul refers to the ascension in his letters in kind of that same way of, well, you know this is true, but never directly tells the story. In the end of the gospel, Luke writes, while Jesus was blessing the disciples, he left them and was taken up to heaven. Then in the beginning of Acts, while the disciples watched, Jesus was taken up in a cloud, and they could no longer see him. Well, what's the same here? The ascension happens before the disciples, including more than just the 12 apostles, but all of the disciples who are gathered. Jesus is taken up. In one account, there's a cloud, and in the other, he simply finds his way into heaven without a cloud. It's a difference. Now, in the ancient world, the universe was believed to be divided into three parts. Heaven above, filled with light and water. It was separated from earth in the middle by a firmament, a kind of stone or metal roof that was overhead. And through that, there were little holes which let light and rain water through when the time was right. Earth's job was to sit on pillars, keeping it out of the watery chaos of the deep abyss, with a place of waiting and caverns under the earth, being a third part known as Sheol in Hebrew or Hades in Greek. Now, these deep caverns weren't exactly pleasant. They were thought of as being pretty damp and dark, but uh, they weren't what our conception of hell is either. They were just a place of waiting for the dead. With this worldview, the only way for Jesus to get to heaven is to ascend, to be lifted up through the gates in the firmament. In the retelling of the story, when Luke offers the vision of Jesus being taken up in a cloud, it's supposed to resonate with the stories of God appearing to the people of Israel in a pillar of cloud, 
More than just in the Exodus story, this happens time and again through the Old Testament, and New Testament for that matter. Now, we know today that the way to heaven isn't up exactly. Given a round world, the only way that is up from every point on earth is away from center, and we've been there, that's space. Um, It's a nice place, um, but it's not heaven. Um, Despite, even as late as the 1940s, there being some thought that maybe space is heaven, and C.S. Lewis, uh, the wonderful Christian author of the Chronicles of Narnia, wrote a science fiction series set uh, on Mars mostly, uh, but with the trip through heaven to get to Mars, because you got out of Earth and you're in heaven, and it's surrounded by light. That series is called Paralandria, and it's worth a read just for that vision alone of a weird take-a-rocket-ship-to-heaven vision of the universe. But the point of the Ascension story isn't about its physical reality, but in its spiritual one. It's not about how Jesus gets into heaven as it is why Jesus is in heaven. Jesus is lifted into God's presence directly, as witnessed by the disciples. His authority is no longer in the particular place where his physical body is, but is universal everywhere all the time. He has been uplifted in the sense of being promoted from a physical being to a universal spiritual being. This is the opposite of being downsized, He's been uplifted, promoted. From the vision of human Jesus to the vision of the cosmic Christ, all is now made visible to the disciples who have followed him from the beginning. Ah, yes, the disciples. I said earlier that this was something of a graduation day for them. Here they are, left to continue the work that their teacher began, and their first action is to stare into the sky, wondering bewildered what's going on now, waiting for their teacher to come back. They're like graduates who have thrown their caps into the air and are captured in those wonderful Kodak moments of waiting for the hat to come back down. And in that picture, you can see on their faces this thousand-yard stare of bewilderment into the eternal instance before the cat makes its way back down and they figure out what the next phase of their life is really going to be like. Now, the disciples have been given some instructions. In the gospel, they're told to wait in Jerusalem until their companion, the comforter, the paraclete, the Holy Spirit, comes to them. In Acts, they seem to be badgering Jesus with questions about when he's going to free Israel and restore the kingdom. Even after everything Jesus has shown them and taught them, they still expect something like a coup to overthrow their Roman oppressors. They are not seeking an uplifting so much as an uprising. Jesus tells them, as Jesus has told them time and time again, these things are not for you to know, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be witnesses telling people about me everywhere from Jerusalem to the ends of the earth. Jesus is telling them that things will happen, but it will be partially up to them to get things done. And it won't be how they expect. And then he leaves them to the task. I think sometimes we need this unstructured time in our lives 
to figure out what our task is, how we are going to live into what we've been presented, this life homework, if you will, that we're given. And Jesus does this, here's your task, I'm going away, but you will have support in the meantime. As Matthew Skinner of Luther Seminary writes, this event does not put Jesus out of play until the end of all things. He and the kingdom he inaugurated are not on an extended break. If our images of Jesus ascending contribute to a sense of Jesus' removal from human society and our daily experiences, then we've missed the point of the ascension, at least as Acts 1 describes it. There's a reason, you see, that we talk about graduation and commencement rather than school's end and diploma unlocked. Graduation suggests to the scientific among you a graduated cylinder a tube marked with lines ever increasing going forth further up. A, if that's too scientific for you, a line drawn by a ruler getting ever longer, being measured and moving from one big mark to another. Graduation is a time of moving from one big mark on a ruler to another. A big increment has taken place. For the disciples, the ascension marks the beginning of a new phase confirmed at Pentecost with the action of the Holy Spirit. That's why the messengers appearing to the disciples in that eternal moment of uplifted eyes remind them that they should head to Jerusalem for the next part of their life, that the disciples are called to an active anticipation, not empty waiting, but a time of prayer, study, and conversation while knowing that the Spirit will be with them soon. I think we too find that waiting for uplift is really quite difficult. We want to go immediately to our new task or, conversely, put it off into the far future. Oh, that's months away. I don't need to worry about what that's going to look like. Years, decades away. Dealing with what's happening right now is right out. But these moments of transition from one phase to another cry out for prayerful, mindful attention. Between high school and college, trade school, or just figuring life out as an adult, it's important to take time to figure out who you've been, who you are, and who you want to be. And on this day that we honor those who are mothers to us, we should be reminded of these transitions between phases in parenting, too. There are so many life steps that take place, so many transitions in just maintaining a relationship with your children and parents through your whole life long that it can be overwhelming. Everything from holding a newborn, celebrating the finalization of a lengthy adoption, to the time of learning to adjust to relating with your children or parents as adults, these are all great times to seek the uplifting of your heart in prayer. So too, those times of difficulty and loss. If you want children badly, but cannot conceive. If your relationship with your parents becomes toxic. If your children or parents have died. These are also times when Jesus is with you offering comfort and care, lifting you up with support that doesn't end. 
while everyone's life path is different, Jesus' ascension means that Jesus is available to everyone, whether they are wherever they are on their path. Jesus' way is a broad highway with on-ramps in the most unexpected of places. Along the way, we are called to stop for each other when the hazard lights go on. Sometimes the best we can do is to sit with each other in active patience, doing what we can while waiting for the right time. Sometimes we're called to act as conduits for the Spirit, letting God work through us in the world. And sometimes we're called to celebrate the uplifting love of Jesus as our life takes a turn to a new direction. And so, wherever you are on Jesus' way, may you be filled with the Holy Spirit, even when you don't know what that means or how it will affect your life. May Jesus make himself known to you, in you, and through you, in how you live and work and play, and may God be glorified in our community and beyond. Amen. Our next uh, part of the service here 